Have you ever walked into an empty room and felt a presence was there with you? Ever heard voices when no one was talking? Or felt a gust of wind where a gust of wind shouldn't be? That rational part of your brain says, it's just your imagination, yet you know in your soul, it's something else. This is Mark Davis with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And this is Spooked, the AJC's newest podcast. A while back, we asked readers to share their true-life ghost stories and started hearing back almost immediately. Some of the responses were kind of funny. It turns out that friendly people in life, well, they can be friendly ghosts in the afterlife, too. But other responses? Well, they kept us up at night. If you have a story to share, we want to hear it. Stay tuned for details on how we can connect. For now, you're about to hear from people who have heard and seen and felt things they can't explain. Welcome to Spooked. Let's start on an upbeat note. Gary Cox lives near the federal prison with his dog, Honey, and someone else. Gary's porch in particular is a welcoming place. And it seems a being he calls Steve the Ghost feels right at home there, too. Steve lives on my front porch. He's my local ghost. I first met Steve in the first months when I moved into the house in 2010. He appeared in my bathroom. Uh, He scared the bejesus out of me. Um, Um... I was taking a shower to go shopping, and all of a sudden, he appeared. I jumped out of the shower. I checked the doors. I I screamed and yelled, what the hell are you doing in my house? And he vanished right before my eyes. uh, We ended up uh, contacting a medium. Uh, The medium came into my home and told me the ghost name was Steve and that he was not going to hurt me, that Steve came into my bathroom. Uh, just to see who was living in his house. Um, I uh, didn't believe the medium, but about two weeks later, I got a piece of mail uh, in my mailbox made out to Steve Reed. Uh, The second time I've really had an encounter uh, with Steve was recently about a month ago, and my dog senses Steve. Um, The dog will lay on the bed, and she will look at my bathroom, and her head will move from my bed, uh, from my bathroom to the door, my bedroom door, and she's growling the whole time. But once her head hits the area of the bedroom door, she stops growling. Then uh, about four weeks ago, uh, she has a routine of she goes out in the backyard, and I bring her in and let her have a treat. She runs upstairs to my home office and eats her treat in the office. I make coffee in the interim. She came downstairs uh, to where I make coffee and she was shaking like a leaf and she still had the doggy treat in her mouth. I picked her up and sat down on the couch with her and started consoling her and realized it was probably Steve. And I screamed out, Steve, get out of the house. You're scaring the dog. And then 
wasn't a minute later, she was perfectly fine. She grabbed her treat off the bit of off the couch and ran upstairs and ate her doggy treat. So I didn't believe in ghosts until I got the mail and my dog has convinced me there's a ghost in this house. Far from where Gary and Steve peacefully coexist, Will Guerra has come to understand that he and his husband, Kirby Thompson, and their dogs, Daisy and Dixie, aren't the only ones living in their home. The presence Will and several friends have seen, however, is far from a friendly spirit. I've lived in my house for over 30 years. The house was built in 1907, and when I bought the house, I always knew, of course, it was an old house, but didn't realize how old the house was until uh, just recently I had couldn't sleep and I was tossing and turning in my regular bedroom and I thought I'm gonna get up and, and go sleep in the guest room. So I bring a book, it's late at night, and as I'm reading, um, I begin to say, gee, I'm about to fall asleep, I'm getting that drowsy feeling, you know you're just about to go to sleep. And I look up in the doorway and looking at me is a man in a black, duster, long jacket, a bolero hat. I can see the outline of him. And you'd think I would have been terrified, but I just looked back at him and he turned and walked away. And I was frozen, not in fear so much as, what did I just see, what was that? And for 10 minutes, I couldn't get out of bed. And then eventually I fell asleep. The next day, I kept telling people, I saw this, this thing in the doorway with a bolero hat and a, and a duster jacket and I don't know what it was and I went to the computer I googled black entity in doorway and I can't believe I saw this it was the exact outline of what I saw and they call it the shadow man and the shadow man is either thought to be an interdimensional traveler or a harbinger of bad news about to come to the house almost a demon that is bringing bad news into the house and I'd seen it a couple more times since then, usually near the fireplace in the dining room. Uh, someone else has also seen it in one of the glass doorways of the house. But I think what got me the most is, as a harbinger of bad news, since I've seen that, uh, we've had some financial issues in the house where I had lost a job, and then even more importantly, my partner of 23 years had recently been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And we wonder if this being, when it came into our house, was it bringing this bad mojo or bad news into the house? And now we're dealing with that. I mean, now that we're sort of past seeing it, I've actually been uh, considering buying the little uh, sage smudge things and maybe I should be going through the house to try to exercise the spirit from my house and hopefully turn some things around. But right now, as much as I'm interested and curious that this is in my house, I also want to see if maybe I can turn what I think is our bad luck around. Audrey Helfman lives in Roswell and keeps in touch with her college roommates. During one visit, she met one more roommate, so to speak. No one's ever laid eyes on this particular resident, but they could always tell when she had been by. 
About 25 years ago, we went to visit one of my old college roommates who lives in way upstate New York on a, in a small border town. We stayed there for a few nights, and one morning I came downstairs into the kitchen and smelled roast beef. And I asked my friend if she was cooking roast beef. And she had a funny smile on her face, and she nodded and said, you smell it too, don't you? She said, that's my ghost. About five years ago, I saw her again and asked her how her ghost was. She said, the ghost is gone. Her theory was that it was an old lady who had lived in the house at some time who was just checking up to make sure that everything was taken care of. And she didn't feel that the ghost was malicious or malevolent at all. Cynthia Renty is in the ghost business. She leads cemetery tours and will headline at an event called Spirits and Spirits, Ghost Stories and Cocktails at 8 p.m. on October 17th at the Aurora Theater in Lawrenceville. She also has a spoken word album coming out soon called Veil of Time. Yet what she saw in the graveyard one night left her chilled. Even a professional ghost storyteller, it seems, can get spooked. Friday, October 25th, 2013, around 11.15 p.m. I was leading a tour in the historic Lawrenceville Cemetery, a paranormal hotspot. Between stories, I'd let folks explore to see if they could capture any ghostly activity using just their cell phones. Photos of orbs, you know, white circles of light that you can't see with your eye, but it's there on your phone. Recordings of EVPs, meaning that you don't hear it with your ear, but you make an audio recording of it and play back the audio, and there's something there. We had just walked down the, a hill. A guy pointed his cell phone back up that hill. I got something. On his screen, there was a small white circle of light, an orb, moving slightly. When I looked back up the hill, I could not see that light, but there it was on his screen. I've got it too. Another guy, another cell phone, the exact same moving white dot of light that was not visible to the eye. I'll go investigate, I said. My intention was to use my lantern as a reference and we could figure out exactly where the unseen light was coming from. In hindsight, I realized that this is just another example of me walking that line between fearless and reckless. As I walked up the hill, the group gave me directions. Go a little further, now more to the left. No, no, not your left, my left. All right, one more step and you're on it now. Pain filled my body. Took a breath and tried to settle into it. It was in my chest. It was not my lungs, good. It was not my heart, better. It was my sternum, as if someone was pressing down so hard on that bone, much harder than I can do to myself. I took another breath and allowed myself to feel it, the pain was exquisite in its intensity. 
As I took a step forward, the pressure on my chest stopped. But there was this large patch of white mist in front of my face. I remember exhaling and the mist moved and I thought, I can see my breath. Then I took another step and the mist was gone. Wait, it's not cold enough to see my breath. What just happened? Oh, I had encountered ectoplasm, ghost mist, a visual manifestation of a paranormal entity. And I had not realized it until the moment after it occurred. So that's what happened to me. I have no idea why it happened. I still lead tours in the cemetery, but I won't go chasing orbs again. You know how some people seem blessed? Maybe they pick winning lottery numbers. Maybe they just always seem to hit every green light. Maybe they're able to find four-leaf clovers. Scott Addison is blessed in a different sort of way. Ghosts really seem to enjoy his presence. He sent us a photo, which we have posted on AJC.com, of figures he spied in a Griffin graveyard one time. Years before, when he was still in high school, someone came to visit, and he was home alone. I was in high school. Uh, I was probably a senior. Uh, anyways, I got home probably about 2.15 in the afternoon. Nobody else is in the house. And uh, I get home, and... Turn on the stereo and lay on the couch and all that stuff's right there by the front door. And uh, anyway, I was laying on the couch. My face was I was laying on my side, so my face was turned to the back of the couch, and uh, the door was on the other side of me. Anyway, I was laying there for a few minutes, and I heard this <sighs> like a big exhale sound. Uh, I didn't know what it was, and I turned around and looked. I could tell it like it came from as if someone was standing there, but nothing was there. And uh, anyways, I didn't think much of it and I turned my head back around and faced the back of the couch again. And anyway, the, the, a few seconds later, I guess, it, uh, it happened again. There was another big <sighs> and, and that's when I left the house. <laughs> I didn't bother trying to figure out what it was or anything. And I didn't come back to the house till the rest of my family was home. Um, another thing, uh, a few years earlier, my mom and her friend were in the extra bedroom upstairs, and they were playing with a Ouija board. And my dad had come home early, and he, was, he busted into the room and scared him half to death. And they were saying that they had contacted a, a ghost named Gustav. And anyways, I don't know if... I don't know if it was him or not, or what it was, but uh, anyways, one other thing, after uh, my sister and I graduated high school and left the house, and my parents got divorced, my mom was still left at the house, but uh, she had the dog still, and she would say that sometimes the dog would stand at the bottom of the stairs, and no one was upstairs, and the master bedroom was on the bottom floor, and sometimes the dog would stand at the bottom of the stairs, looking up the stairs, tilting his head like he was listening to something, you know how dogs turn their heads when they when they're listening to you. But uh, 
She said that would happen sometimes. I'm Mark Davis, and you've been listening to Spooked, the AJC's newest podcast. This is our first episode, and we're planning more. If you have a ghost story to share, email it to me at mrdavis at ajc.com. I'll be in touch. For now, here's one final story from Nadia Leluccia. If you're home alone while you're listening to this one, turn on some lights. When I moved in, I was pregnant with my second son, and my oldest son was three years old. And immediately, we had a lot of trouble with him falling asleep in his new room. And he would scream terrified from his room, but I just figured that he was uncomfortable in a new place, and I would make it, you know, calm him down and get him back to bed. And this happened night after night, and eventually, he began to sleep in his room, And I would wake up to the call for mommy, mommy. And I would get out of bed figuring that he was waking up again and not wanting to sleep, but he would be fast asleep in his bed. So I just figured I was hearing things. And later I would hear the mommy, mommy, along with little running footsteps from his bedroom to my room. So I would jump up prepared to tell him to get back in his bed and only to find him fast asleep in his room. And this happened multiple times. So obviously I started to feel like something was amiss. And it really hit me when one day I walked out to my car and there were bloody cat footprints in a circle around my car. And these footprints were in a perfect circle and they weren't coming from anywhere. And they weren't going away from the car either. They were just somehow in a perfect circle around, only around my car. So I couldn't figure out how in the world they got there. I was looking for a bloody cat or a hurt animal, but there, were, there was nothing. There was no clue where this animal came from. And finally, one of the creepiest things that happened at this house was that very often I would look out the window and see the entire yard covered in big black birds. I don't know if they were crows or ravens, but it was absolutely covered. You couldn't even see grass and they would be in the trees and all over the yard and making noise and just sitting there. So we moved out of this house after six months and we find out a few years later that there was a murder in that house where a mother was killed and her son watched her die. And that is now known in our family as the House on Saddle Road. Spooked was created by Jennifer Brett and reported by Jennifer Brett and Mark Davis, your narrator. Production by Steve McCoy. A tip of our hat to Christopher Wynn at the Dallas Morning News, whose terrific podcast, Strange, inspired this one. Thanks for listening. See you next time.